This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Bengals fans are watching Joe Burrow, watching him develop, watching him somehow stay healthy behind a struggling and now injured offensive line, and Pepsi is a refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, along with my co-host, James Rapine, and we are here to talk about Carlos Dunlap on this fateful Wednesday evening as we record this podcast. Carlos Dunlap, no longer a Cincinnati Bengal. That is obviously where we're going to start the show today. The Bengals got something back. I'm relatively happy with the return, given the context. We'll get into that first. Then the injury report today is um, not promising, let's say. We wrap up the show with Tyler Roland from Locked On Titans telling us a little bit about what's going wrong with that Titans defense and how afraid we might should be of this Titans offense coming to Cincinnati this week. James, the obvious news of the day, however, Carlos Dunlap. B.J. Finney is the headliner of the trade for the Cincinnati Bengals as they ship Carlos Dunlap out west in exchange for the former undrafted free agent out of Kansas State, spent the first four years of his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers before signing with the Seahawks in the most recent offseason. In addition to that, the Bengals get a seventh-round pick as they get both a player and a pick for a guy that, if they didn't find a trade partner, they were going to release him. I was surprised, Jake. No doubt about it. I was surprised when I saw an Ian Rappaport was the first one to say that it would be a player and a pick. I assumed it might be a conditional seventh, and that's it. And the Bengals, they get a guy who has been a, a backup interior lineman now. He's in his fifth season, and he's played in the AFC North for four years. So he, he's versatile. He gives them some depth at that spot. Look, I didn't have high expectations for trading Dunlap. Heck, what have I said on the podcast all week? I would not release him. So the fact that they got anything, that's fine. And there's there's good and bad to that. The bad is they didn't have the foresight to realize that he was going to have these issues with the coaching staff, so they should have traded him before his value tanked. But given that his value has tanked and given what he's done publicly and, and, and been immature and thrown his temper tantrum, I didn't want to reward that by releasing him. And the fact that they were able to get a player and a pick, even if it is going to be a late seventh rounder, it's something. And something is much better than nothing. B.J. Finney is a guy who's been a career backup, but he has played all over the offensive line, mostly on the interior of the offensive line with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He didn't get on the field for the Seahawks this season. He's a big guy, 76th percentile in weight when he came out of Kansas State in his draft class, 58th percentile in the 40-yard dash, not much explosion to his game looking at his combine testing, and slightly below average in terms of agility. So this fits what the Bengals like at guard. He's a very large power kind of offensive guard center, as far as I can tell. And from a PFF grading perspective, a fantastic pass blocker 
apparently. Doesn't seem to offer much of anything in terms of run blocking since at least 2016. But for a guy who was an undrafted free agent, Finney has certainly carved out a fine career for himself. And while there was some fall off from 2018 to 2019 when he played his most snaps, 325 in 2019 for the Steelers, this is a guy that signals that the Bengals recognize they have to keep Joe Burrow on his feet. And so with Quentin Spain expected to sign later this week, strength there, large pass-blocking interior offensive lineman, similar strength for B.J. Finney with a little bit more positional versatility with Finney. So I do like the return. Let's talk a little bit about the way Carlos Dunlap goes out. The Cincinnati Bengals give him a champion's farewell, a hero's farewell. Mike Brown issuing a statement thanking Carlos Dunlap for his contributions to Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bengals doing a press conference with Zach Taylor at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night. And he even gets a social media farewell post. For all of the drama it doesn't seem like there's organizational sour grapes wishing Carlos Dunlap all the best at his next stop in Seattle. Classy. And I, I wouldn't expect anything less. And I'm really glad that the Bengals did it because I don't want Carlos Dunlap to be remembered a villain because he wasn't like he was unhappy. He signed an extension in 2018 and then there was a new coaching staff and the coaching staff didn't agree with how to use him. And that's hard. That's hard to do. That's it. We, we've seen it with A.J. Green. It's hard to transition to the next phase of your career. And, and Dunlap still thinks he's got some kind of juice left and didn't like how he was being used. And you might disagree, and I totally get it. I've ripped him for it with the way he went about it. But that doesn't erase 10 years. That doesn't erase 82 and a half sacks. That doesn't erase being one away from tying Eddie Edwards as the Bengals' all-time sack leader. He did those things. He helped the Bengals make five straight playoff appearances and and was part of pro football focus's all-decade team. So, yeah, absolutely, Carlos Dunlap, for everything he's done for this franchise. I mean, heck, I remember the interception against Indy that won the game back in 2016 and kind of saved their season at that point, an underachieving Bengals team. I mean, this is is a guy that's done a lot for you. So I'm glad that the Bengals didn't get caught up in the moment and they still thank Carlos and had a very classy response to the the trade and everything that had taken place over the past couple of months. Yeah, I'm with you there. And the last thing that I'm going to say about it is I think this is, is too bad for Bengals fans. I think that the, the rift between Dunlap and the coaches was just an unfortunate thing. I agree that they if they knew this was coming, and I think the front office did know this was coming, they probably should have been more realistic. And, and tried to trade him in the offseason when he still had more value. But I'm always going to remember Carlos Dunlap for the good stuff. I think that all the drama and the antics was calculated, and it was his way of getting what he really wanted. And, and you know, you can side with the owners if you want. Totally get that. You know, you, you feel like he's abandoned the team. Uh, similar to Carson Palmer feelings, maybe. I, I know some people out there feel that way. But I'm not one of those people. I'm one of the people that's almost always going to side with the players. And my feelings about it, James, and, and maybe this is my hot take, if you don't want players to demand a trade and go public and be toxic, create an environment where they don't want to do that. And that's exactly what Zach Taylor would tell you he's trying to build. Now, whether or not you trust him to do that, it's interesting, Jake. I asked him if he had learned anything from this. And he kind of said, yeah, you you learn something from everything. And and sometimes it takes you a while to learn 
uh, in specific moments. And I'm paraphrasing, and obviously I, I got that wrong a bit. But I, my takeaway from that answer was he doesn't think he's wrong here, but maybe he is or will realize it down the line. So, look, I, I don't think the Bengals necessarily are more talented today or a better team today without Carlos Dunlap. But you just can't have him disrupting everything else because that's the last thing you want as we evaluate this coaching staff and evaluate this team moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, we're all moving forward with 2020. It's been a long year. Winter is almost here. Don't get caught stranded. If you're having an issue with your car, whether it's as simple as routine maintenance from changing your oil, your filters, anything like that. Go to rockauto.com. They have any and everything you could possibly need for your car, van, or truck. They have millions of parts from over 300 different car makers, from Daewoo to Kia to Honda, Toyota. doesn't matter. They have them all in one spot. They've been serving customers online for two decades. Rockauto.com. They're always reliably low prices, and they're the same prices for professionals as for you, the do-it-yourselfer. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts at the big box store when you can order them from the comfort of your own home? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Let's keep things rolling with a look at the Bengals' injuries and... Safe to say they're banged up, Jake. There's a, a lot of injuries here. It's a long Wednesday injury report. Let's start with the good. Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels just missed because of rest on Wednesday. It's a normal rest day for them. A.J. Green limited, but just because of rest. So we'll get those out of the way. We'll probably have to mention those every single Wednesday for the rest of the year. Um, and, and then let's get to to the bad before we get to the potentially positive news. Uh, Jonah Williams, I was at practice today. Jonah Williams uh, obviously didn't practice. He had that stinger in his neck on Sunday. We'll see if he's able to go at all this week. He was riding the bike, Jake. He was on the rehab field. There was no helmet near him or anything like that. But it's not like he wasn't doing anything, which I think is a good sign. But, man, you know, the, the drop-off from Jonah to the, the next guy at left tackle, and, and that would be Fred Johnson, is uh, is pretty steep in my opinion. So uh, you hope he's out there, but you also, with the bye week in, in week nine, you don't want to rush him back. So this is a, a delicate time right now for the Bengals. Yeah, and it might be Hakeem Adenogy too, and we have no idea what that drop-off might look like because Fred Johnson might end up playing left, uh, right tackle, as we talked about, depending on where they see Hakeem Adenogy lining up. And maybe you were at practice today, so you saw you saw some alignment stuff. But some other things that are noteworthy on the injury report, Trey Hopkins, of course, didn't practice with, practice with a concussion. He's not going to play this week. Bobby Hart's not going to play this week. And by the way, he's up to uh, right in the middle of the pack for offensive tackle grades in the NFL after his excellent PFF team of the week in week seven performance. Joe Mixon didn't practice with a foot injury. Darius Phillips in practice with a knee injury he's been dealing with all season long. And so there is a laundry list of starters on both sides of the ball that, uh, man, how is it that it feels like for the last four years, maybe more, this just feels like the most injured team in football. And, and there's probably a bit of, you know, this is what I'm paying attention to, so I'm biased. But they just seem to be missing crucial players and getting injuries piling up in positions because, like, none of this even mentions 
the defensive linemen that they've lost for the year, right? Rennell Wren, uh, DJ Reader, Josh Tupo opting out. I mean, it's just such a long list. It's got to be tough. Absolutely. It, it stinks. And you're right. It does. It, it really feels like since 2015 when they started 8-0 and they were the least injured team in the league, right? Once Andy broke his thumb, that was it. The injury god said, nope, you're going to be injured. And, you know, AJ dealt with injuries, you know, the following year and moving forward. And a lot of different guys just got banged up and that's it. And I, I don't know how you fix it. You know, I don't know if there's really – I just think it's luck and, and luck of the draw. And you hope Trey Hopkins, maybe he is able to clear protocol, right, and, and get back. If not, Billy Price you will get another look at him. And, and I will say the one thing with, with this Finney trade, what if Billy Price has a decent showing on Sunday and a team comes calling for him, Jake? Then you trade him, I suppose. Unless it's so good that it's like, ooh, let's keep him. No, I don't think you're going to make that decision in one week, uh, especially with ooh. you know the the uh, the investment in Trey Hopkins and you know they bring in BJ Finney who can play center, who can play guard. Going to be interesting to see what they list him at or where they work him in. And and it's worth also noting that even if they sign uh, Finney in Spain, Spain expected to come into the facility. I think on Friday, according to a report I saw from Jay Morrison after he deals with the COVID protocol, neither of those guys are going to be available this week, as I understand it. So so like you said, James, it's going to be Billy Price this week. Hope he plays well. Hope he plays well because they've got these guys in the building. They've got a week to get healthy here coming up. And if they can get you know a fifth-round pick suddenly for Billy Price, which I think would be very, very rich, by the way, uh, th- then then you'd be all over it, right? But uh I, I, the offensive line looking bleak i mean we haven't even talked about the limited guys yet and that includes william jackson concussed working his way back in a limited capacity today and and the surprising one for me that only quote-unquote healthy offensive lineman from week one michael jordan limited with a back injury so they've got four backups compared to some guys that we thought should be backups uh, on the week one starting offensive line. Some of those guys, by the way, exceeding expectations this year. And, and now you've got Mike Jordan, who, again, had, in addition to Bobby Hart, as John Sheeran points out over CincyJungle.com, a very good game against the Browns. Now he shows up with the back injury. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. I mean, it's if, if that tightens up or, or gets worse or, or anything like that, I mean – it just seems it's one thing after another. And here's the reality. This is if you can do and somehow piece together what you did last week, which is give Joe Burrow two seconds. And Zach Taylor seems to have found his sweet spot. I know I say a lot of bad things about him, but his sweet spot as a play caller the past couple of weeks, he's putting Burrow in position to get the ball out quick. He's got a good rapport right now with his, his quarterback and with this offense. I think they could be OK. But the the concern to me is not having any type of running game, and they didn't. I mean, they they didn't have – you weren't really thinking about the run at all against the Browns. And the Titans, they can beat you both ways and, and just slowly move the ball down the field or push the ball down the field with Ryan Tannehill and the Bengals defense. Who knows if they'll be able to stop anything. But my point is having a little balance against a team like the Titans who can really do anything they want to you offensively 
would be nice. And with Joe Mixon dealing with the foot, with the offensive line banged up, I I don't know. One, obviously you want to keep Joe Burrow upright, but I'm not I'm not sure they're gonna be able to have any type of balance on Sunday against the Titans. And the the key to the game is gonna be can they keep scoring? I mean, I think this is gonna be a lot like the Browns game. If they get some turnovers, great, that's huge. But I mean, this is a very efficient offense in Tennessee and a very banged up and challenged defense. And they don't have a Miles Garrett. Yeah, they have Jadavion Clowney. He's dealing with an injury. Yeah, they have Jeff Simmons, but he hasn't necessarily finished plays. He's been very good, but he's not finishing plays in the pass rush. So I, I think that this game and the Bengals' ability to keep this game close or even make it a last possession game is uh, going to come down to can, can they keep the pace? Can they keep scoring with the way the Titans are going to score? Because... Man, I I really do think the Titans are going to score. And, and this defense, I just don't see them slowing down. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and the weapons they've got in Tennessee. They don't have a pass rush. They, they don't really have the, the coverage figured out right now. They might have figured out the run D a little bit. But, man, Derrick Henry's a different beast. So these injuries just make things, I think, very challenging for this coaching staff. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think they found a good way to start using some of the strengths of these guys, and it was starting to come together. And it's just a speed bump this week, and I'm curious to see how they're going to answer the call with some of these offensive linemen missing time. Coming up next, Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans comes on and tells me what he expects from this Titans defense that's been banged up, why it's banged up, what the state of that pass rush unit is, because these are the things that we care about as Bengals fans, as we want to see Joe Burrow survive the 2020 season. Stick around for Crossover Thursday, coming up next. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Whether you're watching from the comfort of your own home, if you're one of the 12,000 lucky fans able to attend Bengals home games at Paul Brown Stadium this year, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. We're now joined by Tyler Rowland from the Locked On Titans podcast to talk about the Titans matchup and talk about what's going on with this Titans defense, which was really a strength of this team last year. And coming into the game in the preseason, I look at it and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, Ryan Tannehill was really good last year. He's probably going to be pretty good again. Derrick Henry's probably going to run straight down Main Street against the Bengals. But the defense was pretty scary for me at the time. With a rookie quarterback and a banged up offensive line or a bad offensive line, you take your pick of of what the scenario is. Currently, it's banged up and also not very good. But that hasn't really been the case so far this year. Struggles in the secondary, struggles in the second level. The, the defensive line on paper still looks pretty good. Anchored, of course, by Jeffrey Simmons, a standout second-year player. I really like Harold Landry, the big splashy acquisition in Jadavion Clowney. But what's going on with the defense this year? Why are there so many points being scored on the Titans, Tyler? Well, the number one reason that you could point to is the third down defense. I believe that the Titans are giving up about 60% of their uh, third down opportunities on defense, which is a historic rate at this moment in time. It's actually the highest 
rate of third down conversions for a defense in the last five years in the NFL through this amount of time. So a historically bad third down defense. But the problem that the Titans are really running into is they don't have a third NFL level cornerback. They have Ty Smith, who's their fifth cornerback, who's starting to be rotated in because their fourth cornerback, Jonathan Joseph, who had a great career. Uh, as you pointed out uh, off air, but uh, at his age, being in his late 30s, he's just not an NFL cornerback anymore. So that's the real issue that the Titans are running into. They like to be a, a disguise zone blitz defense, and it's just hard to do some of those exotic things when you can't trust your back end to play man coverage. So the Titans have been forced to play more zone than they want to play throughout the year. They can't blitz as many people, blitz in six, blitz in five, because they have to keep people back in coverage because they can't rely on their cornerbacks. And it's not just that, but some of the other more reliable pieces of the Titans defense, especially in the back end, Jayon Brown at linebacker, Kevin Byard, Kenny Vaccaro at safety. Those guys just simply haven't played as well as they have played in previous seasons. Now, whether that has to do with the limited uh, offseason, the limited ramp up to the season, I don't know, but we're halfway through the season now, and that can't be used as an excuse anymore. So the Titans' most reliable players in pass coverage uh, have not been reliable in Bayard and Jayon Brown at linebacker, Bayard to safety, Brown at linebacker. And then missing a Dory Jackson, the Titans' number one cornerback, has just limited what they can do schematically and how effective they can be with what they try to do from a scheme standpoint on defense. And as for the defensive line, Jeffrey Simmons has been an absolute stud, but he's a second-year player who had half of a season last year. He hasn't quite developed his, his go-to pass rushing moves and his pass rushing counters, so he's more effective in run defense than he is pass rush at this time. And then the outside pass rushers and Harold Landry and Jadavian Clowney, they just simply don't have any similar, it's a similar problem. I think it may be tied to coaching here, but they don't have any pass rushing moves. It's just effort-based pass rushing, and it's not getting home. The The stunts that they're running, the four-man blitzes from different places, dropping a guy in coverage from the D-line, bringing a linebacker, bringing a corner, bringing a safety, those things just aren't working at this moment in time, and we're seeing the result in the Titans' third down conversion rate. It's just the perfect thing to point to. I mean, they had the Steelers in three third and long situations situations in the first half on Sunday, third and 10 or longer. And the Steelers converted all three of those opportunities in the first half. So uh, the Titans are playing decent defense, but when you can't get people off the field on third and long, it's going to ruin everything that you do on first and second down anyway. So that's where the Titans are at on defense. And you have to hope that with the talent they have, that eventually they turn that around and a lot of people think the addition of starting cornerback Adoree Jackson, who hasn't played this year, will allow them to begin turning things around. But no one man is the answer for the Titans defense. So a couple of questions there. First, and, and I guess quickly, is Adoree Jackson expected to play this week? I didn't see his name on the injury report today. Technically, he doesn't have to be. He's still okay. on the injured reserve lifts. Last week, the Titans designated him to return, so they have 21 days to activate him off the IR, so he doesn't have to be listed on the injury report, and his practice status doesn't have to be given, but some of the people who are uh, on the ground there in Nashville are reporting that Adoree Jackson has been in practice. He's been limited. He's practiced a little bit in open media sessions, so they are ramping him up, but at this time, the Titans won't have to to tell us if he's going to play until Saturday when those activations from injured reserve are required by the NFL. Last question on the defense before we flip things over and talk about the Tennessee Titans offense that scares me uh, a lot, let's just say. It the should. Sec 
the sack numbers for the Titans look very, very low this year. And you talked a little bit about a lack of pass rushing moves. The Bengals are going to be missing most of their starting offensive line. And the starting offensive line had low expectations coming into the season in the first place. Do you expect the pass rush to turn around this week? Or after having watched them for seven weeks, or I guess six games, do you think that they're just not a very good unit right now? Well, I think that they're just not a very good unit right now. And part of it is snap counts being exhausted in the second half because we don't have a lot of depth on the defensive line. Part of it is, you know, and technique slips when you're tired. That's a reality, too. So maybe that's part of the problem is not that they're not being coached up, but they're just, you know, not being able to execute those techniques when they're tired in the second half. But here's the thing, whether or not I expect them to turn it around is irrelevant, but they better. I mean, this is a situation with the troubles that we've talked about just right here in this conversation with the Bengals offensive line. If you can't get right and get a few sacks against the Bengals offensive line, then it's not going to turn around for you. And clearly there's a talent issue. And I don't know how that can be the case with Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Vic Beasley, and Jadavian Clowney that there's a talent issue, but it's either talent or it's coaching. And results have to be there against the Bengals offensive line. So whether or not I think it turns around, I'm not certain, but all I know is it better. And if it doesn't turn around against the Bengals, then the Titans have much bigger issues going forward in the season than, than I or the fan base wants to think. That seems fair to me. I made a similar argument about AJ Green going against some softer secondaries earlier this season, and he turned it around after that. So I would say to Titans fans, Maybe the Bengals miraculously string together some good pass protection this week and the pass rush still comes together later, or may, or maybe not. I, I wouldn't be surprised And another big thing, I mean, everything is tied together. So if the Titans get a Dory Jackson back, they can play better. Right now they have to play off coverage because of the cornerbacks they have. And like Big Ben, he was just tossing the ball very quickly after the snap. Wasn't holding it at all. Quick passes to the outside, quick slants over the middle, get it out of his hand because the Titans have to play off so much with their corners because their corners are slow and they're just not right. that talented. So if the Titans get a Dory Jackson back, maybe that helps the pass rush have a little bit more time to get home. Well, we only have a few minutes to talk about the Titans offense, and I think that this game could very easily be a shootout. I think it has one of the highest over-unders in the NFL this week. 53, weapons, I think, right now. And it, and it opened lower than that. I think it opened at like 51 or 52 and a half. Wow. And so A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, who, who's going to hurt the Bengals the most? Well, like you mentioned earlier in, in the episode, uh, the Bengals have never been able to cover tight ends, it feels like, for however long. Um, and Jonu Smith really struggled last week against a really good interior of – the Steelers defense, their linebackers, their safeties, although a little banged up, still excellent in those zone coverages over the middle. So I think Jonu Smith, the Titans tight end, who has been great throughout the year, got a little banged up in the Texans game, played in the game against the Steelers, didn't have a great game. I think he rebounds and you see a pretty big game out of Jonu Smith. And of course, A.J. Brown's always going to be there to make plays over the middle on those play action passes. So A.J. Brown's going to have a big day. So... Two more questions, and then we're going to get out of here. First question, the Bengals said to be signing Quentin Spain, former Titan. He didn't play very well since he left the Titans. He had one great year in Tennessee. What do you think is left in the tank there? I mean, I know you haven't probably paid as much attention, but give me give me a quick summary. 
Well, what I would say is he is better in power and gap running schemes than he is in a zone scheme. That's what the Titans went to the wide zone scheme that you see proliferate, uh, proliferating around the NFL right now. Sean McVay, uh, Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan, the outside zone scheme. That's that's what everybody wants to do now. It seems like it's the flavor of the week. And uh, Quentin Spain doesn't fit so well in that zone scheme because he's his game isn't built on his athleticism. He's a power guy. He's a strong man. He's going to move people around. So it's better to have him in gap run plays, like you would run an ISO lead or a halfback dive, something like that, or get him as a down blocker in pooling plays. Uh, you don't really want him to be the pooling guard because of that athleticism limitation. But uh, if you can get him down blocking or you can get him just, just gap blocking, uh, you can have success with Quentin Spain in a, in a limited sense. We're talking about a guy who's probably backup quality in the NFL at this moment in time, so you're not going to get a Pro Bowl-level guard. But uh, I think if you put him in the right type of running plays, he can still have some success for you. And I think the Bengals have been pretty aware of that. They they know that they like their big tackles. They're used to having mm-hmm. athletic tackle or sorry, big guards, athletic, smaller tackles has been the recipe for the Bengals so far this year. They've done some pretty interesting stuff with that in the running game that, uh, well, you can go check out my Twitter page, actually, and I got into one play in particular where they they play half zone on the left side, they block man on the right side, they pull the tackle, mm-hmm. they do a little uh, fold block, they pull them around the guard on the inside through the A gap. It's kind of fun to watch because I hadn't really noticed anything like that before, but I also don't pay much attention to run games because I'm a passing guy. Last question, <laughs> I, I don't do predictions, but a lot of people like predictions. Give me a prediction. Uh, the, the Titans are favored, I think, by five and a half points last I saw. What's your final score this weekend? Uh, I've been kind of going back and forth between 34 to 28 and 31 to 28. I think after our conversation here, uh, I am going to settle in on 34 to 28, the the Titans cover. I would be maybe, a, I don't know. That that seems reasonable to me. I might be a little surprised if... if th- I feel like there will be more points scored. I know that's a lot of points. Maybe so. Maybe so. It's a lot just, of points, but who knows? I just I just don't see Two these Two bad teams. defenses. Yeah. And and I just saw it happen with the Browns, and I, I see this game very similarly to the way I saw the Browns game playing out. Anyway, thanks, Tyler, for your time. That's Tyler yep. from the Locked on Titans podcast. Tomorrow, we're both probably doing game previews. Can't wait. I'm just glad to have football. We'll, uh, we'll keep repeating that for the rest of the year. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks, Jake. That's Tyler Rowland from the Locked On Titans podcast, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Bengals. We're back tomorrow with Jake and James previewing Week 8. Tennessee Titans coming to Cincinnati. Until then, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.